0: From the NLRPD to KTHV to behind the microphone, it's Scott Romine with Guatney okay, Unplugged. Welcome
1: to Gwatney Unplugged. It's Saturday morning. I hope you're having a great day. We have got on the phone with us our first guest today is a, a movie star with his own studios. Very, very cool. Mr. Earl Owensby. How are you, Mr. Owensby?
0: Well... I'm doing good. You can call me Earl. There ain't no mystery in the family anymore, but go ahead and <laughs> let's do the interview.
1: And you're in uh and North... Hello,
0: people out there.
1: <laughs> and you're in North Carolina, correct?
0: That's right. Shelby, North Carolina. Earl the Studios.
1: And you, uh, you've made a lot of your own movies and things, and I was very blessed to tour your facility some years ago with... Uh, Dorothy Best, old Roscoe P. Coltrane's wife, and and have remembered you ever since. Made quite an impression on me. What first got you interested in the movies?
0: Well, it just seemed like a pretty good business to go into, I I would assume. What? Because it worked out pretty good. You never know when you try that, but sometimes you try it and it works, and sometimes you try something that don't work.
1: That's true. Well when you were a kid what what was your favorite movie who was a movie star that you really were inspired by
0: <laughs> Well that's a, certainly a good question and I appreciate you answering I don't think I was a, ever inspired by any particular movie star when I was uh, a young man going to going to school and working part time at a theater Uh, My favorite movie was Guadalcanal Diary, and at that point I decided to be, after I finished school, of course, to go in the Marine Corps, which I did and served five years. So, uh, And November the 10th is the Marine Corps birthday, so we're going to celebrate that, and away we go.
1: We appreciate your service big time. You know what's unusual about you? Interested in making movies? It seems like I'm guessing you didn't go to California. You started making movies in your home state.
0: Well, yes, I did, and I'll have to say that that probably was uh, the best thing I could do uh, because we we came became very competitive and ended up doing a lot of uh, production for people out of California. Including one we did with Jim Cameron called The Abyss, which took a year to do, but other than that, we did a lot.
1: Well, I know that like in November of '73, and I'm like 20 days old when you did this, you started making your first movie, Challenge, and then you go on to re- release like one movie a year for the next four years. What what was the formula you had come up with, where you weren't going to lose doing this?
0: Well, each movie that we uh, that we ended up producing and, and uh, turning into a feature film, you still kind of have to look at the market and see what it was selling. And a challenge was uh, was made because I was impressed with a movie called Walking Tall. And the first Walking Tall that came out, and that's that's the one that uh, it done a lot of business, and it was action-adventure. And we, we don't do uh, artistic, necessarily, things, because I guess you just have to use the word art. It ought to make a private or don't make it.
1: That's right. So you, I mean,
0: I think movies should
1: have car chases and explosions and all that. And I guess that's the kind of thing you did.
0: Yeah, we, uh, we did a lot of that.
1: Now you made a movie named, I guess the name is Sibo,
0: Buckstone County prison.
1: And, and the ratings board did not want to give you a rating. Can you tell us why that was or how that was?
0: Well, now that did not happen on Buckstone County Prison. That happened on a movie called Dark Sunday that uh, we made, and it was no uh, a lot of a lot of bullet hits. I guess you'd have to say it was action <laughs> adventure, but we there was no sex scenes or anything that would cause it, and. It went to California, and they rated it X, and I appealed it and went through that whole process. And at the end of the line, after going to New York and repealing it and all that stuff with the rating board, and then Congress uh, investigated the rating board on it, and then finally I got a call from the rating board from the uh, Los Angeles airport, the guy that was like the vice president of that whole thing, and his words to me, Mr. Owensby, uh we've been through all this, and it's caused all of us a lot of trouble. Won't you just go ahead and rate the damn thing whatever rating you want on it, and we'll forget about it. And that's what he said.
1: And that's and so I guess you gave it, what, an R rating or something? PG-14. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: okay there wasn't even any, uh, nothing that would keep it from being... Good for fourteen-year-old sure.
1: teenagers. Sure, and and your movies, people use that term "Grindhouse" films. What what is that really mean, or what does that refer to?
0: What what is it?
1: Yeah, sure. Like what is that exactly? Because uh, people don't know that these days.
0: What was the word you said we got? Oh, like
1: Grindhouse films. I, I know is what they kind of call that i guess it was in a, a type of film maybe that was in the 70s or had their own theaters and and that sort of thing action adventure i guess
0: i don't know but we we played the <laughs> we played the big theaters and uh, any anywhere that not just drive-ins of federal government we sold to the military they played them and you know, I don't. I don't know what all that was about. I never had a problem with what anything was rated, except Dark Sunday, and that was one of those things. If they could find something that would put me out of business, yeah, in their minds, I no, got you. It didn't work.
1: It did not work.
0: No, it didn't work, and it still don't work. I mean, right today's market, people will go out and they'll do films and they'll spend a lot of money. That don't mean they can get a theatrical release. See, the whole business has changed. Everything's changed. Now we have DVDs, and we have streaming, and we have Netflix, and we have uh, Amazon, and we have all that stuff going on. And so the theatrical, it has to be a pretty pretty good thing that's going to go out. No star opens a movie much anymore. They used to have the fact that if Bruce Willis made the movie and then it would open big. But all that kind of has, has bit the dust too. But, you know, that's just life.
1: I've always heard that anybody can make a movie, it's the distribution that is the that's, problem. That's
0: the big deal. You're absolutely right. You've always heard right.
1: Yeah. You know, they
0: can't get it distributed.
1: You can't you do anything with it. There's probably Right, now, right
0: now, the number one movie, right this day, today, not tomorrow, not after something opens Friday, you'd never believe Joker. Yeah, it's but, going, a billion dollars. And I've seen all it. The, look you know? at all the fuss and all that stuff about Joker. And there's where it's going to be this, going to be that, going Still to a billion dollars. A billion dollars is a whole lot of money.
1: That's quite a bit of money. To me,
0: it is. I mean, you know, that's just to me, you look at something that's a billion dollars. Jim Cameron has uh, two of those multi billion dollar movies at the top of the whole heap Titanic with three billion and, and Avatar with three billion. You it, know, so Avatar I is huge.
1: Know. And, good. Su- and supposedly they're making a sequel to it, so I guess we'll see. Hey, can you? Oh, hang
0: Avatar! On? Avatar has a contract uh, Jim has a contract with uh, with Twentieth Century Fox to do eight Avatars.
1: I'm sure he will at some point. In time. Oh,
0: I'm yeah. That's just the way it is. Very brilliant, brilliant director. Brilliant, <laughs> absolutely brilliant.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And a personal
0: friend of mine. I I, I, I like Jim Cameron a lot. Very. Very talented uh, director. I mean, he does more than just go in and say action and some assistant director says cut and you move on.
1: He knows it. He
0: does the whole thing and it comes from his brilliant look at whatever he's going to do.
1: And uh, we were talking about Jim Cameron and you made a movie with him. And I, I love this movie called The Abyss. And the entire thing is underwater. Can you tell us how that was done and how you come to meet him and, and produce this movie?
0: Well, I've been knowing Jim for a long time. The first Terminator that Hemdale was making, uh, he came to Shelby and was going to try to do it at our studio. And then Hemdale didn't come up with the money in time to go do it there, so they ended up doing it in L.A. But I met him at that point, and then I bought a, an abandoned nuclear plant that the uh, local uh, utility, local Duke Energy, I bought the nuclear plant, which had the reactor and the turbine pit. And Jim came in to look at it, and he did, and we talked and went back and forth. And at that time, Gail Ann Hurd was his ex wife, who ended up later on in life. Doing the Walking Dead and all that, but That's right, they did a contract. Uh, Jim did uh, to do the movie there, and then we had to build uh, the tanks, and we had the largest underwater freshwater tank in the industry for a long time, which was built in a in a in a uh, containment building for a nuclear reactor. So took took a year to do that movie.
1: A lot of stars so that was, in that movie. Huh? A lot of stars in that movie.
0: Well, Ed Harris was the main star. Mary Elizabeth Masteroneo, whatever his name is, was was a female lead, and you know a lot of them. Ed Harris, a wonderful guy. I mean, he just really he he just was one of my favorite people that worked on the movie. And so I got to know them all, and and worked as well as I could do and that was, that was a major movie, and it cost. Way over a hundred million dollars to make, so you know that's that's kind of a a nice thing to know that there's that much money being spent on something. that I happen to own the facility. Yeah, so to speak.
1: I, I want to anyway, say Michael Bean was, that was, was in what that. We did. Wait, was it Michael Bean in that from the Terminator film? Michael
0: Bean was in it. He surely was. He Michael and I had the same PR people in LA, and uh, he's uh,
1: isn't he a Southern boy?
0: I don't know where Michael's from. He, he was in L.A., and he's, he stayed busy for a while with different things he was doing.
1: Went on to he do... He was not
0: the star of that movie, no, but he was right. in it.
1: That's right. So were you on the set most days of The Abyss?
0: I stay on the set no matter what's happening. If I'm involved and I have to look after what the cash flow is and should be, that's my... My thing, I did not produce uh, the abyss, but it was made at Earl Ornby Studios. That's on the credits when you watch it on TV or buy a DVD. We—that's—that's that's what it was. And uh, well, if for, I produce it, I'll guarantee you, I'm <laughs> on, on the, the set. set. Yeah.
1: Well, Earl, like with that movie, because I love that movie. Obviously, all of the underwater stuff was in that tank. Were the submarine sets at your studios?
0: Everything was at our studio. We had two. Uh, we had two uh, big, big sound stages that we turned into sound stages. Huge, and we we even did. I did the Jonestown flood after they left. I one one of the things which was inside the studio with the Jonestown flood we did and. Department of Interior got the Academy Award. They just failed to mention my name.
1: Oh, they reason, did,
0: but they didn't want to share the award with me either. So, but it plays it plays uh, all the time. Jamestown, they have a when you go into the state, they have a big show and That was a big big thing, and uh, but that's fine. I don't yeah. I don't have no problems with somebody if they don't want to. Want to give you credit and all that mess. I'm sure that happens.
1: Hey, uh, Earl, does the uh, nuclear power plant still exist?
0: They bought it back. Okay. Energy bought it back, and uh, was going to do a nuclear plant there. But the odd thing, and I don't know how this comes about, but Westinghouse had invented a way to reclaim the nuclear. Ah. Stuff. They had invented that, Westinghouse, and that's what they was going to do. Well, they had the certificate to do the System 80, and when they sold out, System 80's obs- obsolete for, for nuclear. And then when Westinghouse went bankrupt, bam, that and killed that the deal. That was the end of it. Hey, I've did... had several calls on know that I want to buy it back and my answer is no.
1: <laughs> you don't need a nuclear power plant.
0: Oh, not anymore. I mean we right. made five movies down there. We did uh, we did Florida Straits and did probe for Universal Studios and all that. I mean, you know. But I'm tell you right now, that kind of facility that Duke Power had spent over a couple of billion dollars then that that kind of thing will eat your lunch oh sure (laughs) well you just don't need all i don't need all that pressure i mean i just don't i noticed where uh folks go into the business and all of a sudden they think well i read where he did this and he did that that that's not the way something works it works if you know what you're doing and can handle the whole thing then it worked for me because i got lucky lord been good to me, and I hope you ain't ready to drop me just yet, but, you know, nah. you go in and do what you do. But business changes. Don't matter what the business is, it will change, and you just have to roll with the punches and change with
1: it. Well, YouTube and Netflix has certainly changed the movie business and Apple iTunes and all of that. It's just a different thing now. Uh, hey, I want to ask you about, I'm a huge fan of comic books, and I remember in your office this huge painting of Namor the Submariner. Was that a movie you were going to do at some point or something?
0: Yes, yeah, Stan Lee and I became friends, and Marvel owned That's right, the Submariner. And Stan came to spent some time with me, and we were going to do it at the nuclear plant because we had the underwater stuff but then it got to where the budget was going to go way past. And Marvel at that time wasn't Marvel as we know today with the Avengers and Captain America and no. Iron Man and and all that, that and Wolverine. But at the time I was negotiating, I could have done anything with Marvel with the exception of Wolverine. They wasn't letting anybody have Wolverine, period. Really, and they did end up making it with Hugh Jackman, and and that was their that was the one that they had more pride in.
1: So I guess the one at the time you were looking at doing this Namor the Submariner, there was just like a Spider-Man TV show, and Lou Ferrigno was the Incredible Hulk, and that was it. That's it. That's all that existed at that point. Hey, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, uh, did you know Elvis Presley? I remember a jumpsuit being in your office.
0: Yeah, I knew Elvis Presley, so I named my son Elvis, one of my sons. I have three sons. He was the second one to come along, and we—he uh, uh, Elvis, Elvis signed a baby picture for him and gave him a scarf and all that, you know. And wrote in there. Little Elvis loved Big Elvis. <laughs> Ed Parker became a personal friend who was in uh, who was in Buckstone County Prison with me, and he was Elvis's bodyguard and people Karate World Champion. That he was, he taught Elvis the karate stuff, and Ed and I became became real close friends. He passed away at the LAX airport, had a heart attack, but he he was mighty. We'd talk, oh, I don't know, maybe once or twice a month anyway, just friends, you know. And then Elvis passed away, and then I did uh, two movies with his fiancée, Ginger Alden.
1: And she was there with him when he died, I I think, correct? Yes,
0: she's the one that found him dead.
1: That's right. And so you made a couple of movies with her. What was she like?
0: Oh, nice lady. Very, very, very nice lady. Did Living Legend, which uh, I, uh, I starred in that, and she was my co-star. And then I did a movie with her called Country Girl, and and she was in that, and she was wanting to move on and be an actress, and she ended up marrying some director in New York who directs commercials. And as far as I know, that... That's where she is now. I don't. Right. Hey, I well, don't. I don't follow any actors around. I
1: around understand. Anymore. Well, just real quick, we got a minute left. We're in Little Rock, Arkansas. You made a movie with G- Gil Gerard, who is from Little Rock, I believe.
0: Yeah, Gil Gerard did a movie called Hooch. And
1: uh, is that one you directed? He went over or? to
0: California and got got to be. Buck Rogers are one of them characters.
1: Yeah, he was Buck Rogers. That's for sure.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, oh. where can people find you online? Can they look up your studios?
0: Oh yeah, Earl Owensby. Why well, just look on the internet?
1: Google Google Earl Owensby Studios in North Carolina and see all the neat stuff you've you have accomplished. I sure appreciate well, you talking to us. We own
0: twenty and we sell the DVDs about every day, and you know, and I mean, that's. That's what
1: we do. That's a great thing. Hey, Earl, thanks so much for talking with us today.
0: Well, I look forward to get back in North Carolina, drop in and see me.
1: I sure will. Thank you so much. Earl Owensby Studios, you guys looked that up. Very interesting guy. Scott Romine for Guatney Unplugged. We'll be right back.